0: In momentum, the rara boys will go to bed so early tonight. Before exams, they need a lot of rest. school and i started my own business they say oh you graduated no i decided i was finished
1: thanks um, bobo <laughs> yeah he's awesome all right greetings hi uh,
2: yes welcome to another episode of chillin ambitious the podcast that points out shit you didn't know was relevant i'm O. am no and, and you, you can, can call, call us oh no <laughs> you know oh you know what i hate oh
1: what do i what you just called me oh okay fine no <laughs>
2: yes do you know what I hate <laughs> when you call me no yes no. um
1: when I call you no what do you hate I was just being like oh so <laughs> I was like, gotcha what do you hate I hate getting stuck
2: I hate like, stagnation in the mud. oh okay yeah I just like it bothers me and um but I think you know it's just something that happens you know it's a part of life but like I'm just wondering like what how do you get out of that
1: I think you just have to I, because th- we've all gotten there. I think it's like you just start to do, like you give yourself a couple little things and like, you know, like how, how kids treat accomplishments, like simple things you're basically supposed to do all the time. Like they'll be like, mom, look, I tied my I shoes. My, yeah, I tied my shoes. Look, like I put on my own jacket. Like then you kind of have to take baby steps like that. Give yourself like five things that like are not that difficult, but you've been avoiding like answering those emails or something. And then you just start and then you're like, I feel happy of myself, and like you start
2: start (laughs) happy of myself.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then you start to like build on these tiny little accomplishments, and then it just becomes well, it just becomes like a like a like moment. Yeah, you just start to build on it. What what were you going to say? I was going to say momentum. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah,
2: really? Because that's today's theme. Today's theme is momentum. Like you had so much momentum, you like had to stop yourself from saying it. Well, and the reason why we thought of this is because of today's life innovator. His name is Luke Taylor. Hi, Luke Taylor. Hi. And uh he has decided to Chris is with his presence today. Uh he has been working uh he has two buckets, right?
0: Yeah, we can call him two buckets. He likes to
2: call buckets of of his life. There's Spark Prep, which he's been working on for five years now. And he'll talk uh yeah, what is what's Spark Prep?
0: Spark Prep uh is primarily an admissions coaching business. We work with students who are applying to college, graduate programs, MBA, law, med school. Um, and the focus is to make applications less onerous, mostly by orienting to have the application process be one of self-discovery, self-realization, reflection, uh, deepening of values. Um, kind of a shift away from thinking of applications as either terrifying or exclusively about competition or exclusively about stress. Um, so we've been doing that for about five years now. I and mean, we work in Vietnam, Singapore, Hong Kong, and
2: the United States. Awesome. Wait, so kids what? in all those countries mm-hmm. that are applying. And that, I mean, we definitely have them in the US, but in Asia, the competition. Yeah. And it's like, it's,
0: can be it's, quite stiff.
2: Yeah. yeah. And it's very, uh, I think, uh, unforgiving in the sense of like, that's just what you're supposed to. Do. It's more, I feel like it's accepted or that the comp the, com- the the competition in terms of like
0: sure there's been yeah presidents set for i think a long time that that you kind of have to do whatever you need to do in order to achieve whatever yes. standard of standard of education is considered prestigious or sufficient um but increasingly i think there's a there's a lot of openness and receptivity to the idea that the process is also important not just the end yeah, yes. that's
2: what i was trying to say that's
1: what i was trying yes. to say um, this is the end result and then bucket number two
2: is oh yeah,
0: bucket number two is uh, I'm a DJ, an electronic music musician.
2: What kind of electronic music?
0: Um, so a lot of crossover stuff. Um, pretty much anything that incorporates synthesized sounds. I'm a total audio nerd. I do a lot of sound synthesis. Um, mm-hmm. but I think you know five years ago, six years ago, I was a singer songwriter with a guitar, just singing, and now I'm doing a lot more a lot more sound design a lot more production digitally um and collaborating with other artists to do i think more complete songs so working a lot on songs
1: that's awesome yeah we're recording in his studio right now it's in his in his home
0: it is yeah this is yeah. this is by definition a home studio
1: this is actually <laughs> a home in yeah in San Francisco yeah which is. is like what the hell you found a whole home i
0: know i can never leave
1: i don't ever want to it's that's, wonderful it's excellent yeah.
2: I like what you were saying about um valuing the process more because uh, something we really like to ask our chilling and ambitious life innovators is how do they measure success? Because um, I think it's easy to, you know, like only look at like if you're the best in terms of like you got the best test score or you're like your company is making the most money. But uh, one of the big things that we want to do here in chill and ambitious is you know rethink that and wonder is how would you like to measure success for yourself? It's
0: fascinating it's a um It's a question that that a lot of my students actually come up with, particularly in in Singapore and in uh, Southeast Asia. Um, i will I'll answer your question obliquely, which is to say, I think for me, success has to do with am I asking questions that I still find interesting mm-hmm. success? this might sound like a platitude, but it's not so much a destination or a final achievement, but is the quality of the process. And part of the quality of the process for me has to do with, am I investigating questions that I find compelling, that I find interesting? Is there a meaningful growth edge in front of me that I'm interested in investing time into? Um, And I think, you know, particularly for people who are applying to college or to graduate programs, there are so many fascinating questions. That's why you're applying, really. You're applying to to, particularly for graduate programs, you're applying to go and research an area, a question, a research premise that you find compelling. Um, and that adds kind of richness and a depth and a meaning to your life. And that has, I think, all to do with how we ask questions, what questions we ask, um, and the process by which we refine those questions. And get, and then like, if we find a particular answer, maybe that answer changes over the course of a year or two years or three years and I come back and revisit the question. Right,
2: yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so that, Really, that growth—the experience of growth, the experience of exploration—is perhaps how I would measure success.
1: I love well, that's that. Funny. That totally fits in with momentum, right? You're saying like, if, yeah. Is the question still relevant? Like, what do you, you're obviously learning something all the time. So, yeah. like, is it adding to that or is it? Yeah. Well, it's always about taking it off growth,
2: growth? Yeah. and and but talking about it from uh, a self and world understanding perspective versus like always needing to have your company grow by this much percent. And, and which is also, also important, yeah. too. but like talking about momentum,
1: yeah, it's about growth. But it's also understanding that like it's not that like maybe you set out on one trajectory and then like, you know, where where companies or just people kind of, I think, mess up is like that they become so attached to it that they don't recognize when it's not working anymore or mm-hmm. when it's like it's maybe not useful anymore I'm trying to like, you know, going with an old going with old systems versus like really reassessing I think a
0: really important part of it is is self awareness and developing a level of self awareness because you can be asking questions but if you're not looking to see if the question as you said is still relevant or have I been asking the same question of myself mm-hmm. and not recognizing that I had I've had the answer for some time uh-huh. I just forgot to start asking a better question or yeah. to see what the next the next phase is I mean I think as you started the started the show off with that's kind of where we get stuck sometimes is, yeah. is forgetting that some questions no longer serve us. You know, we find this in our personal relationships and mm. professional relationships. You know, we wake up like, why do I still hate my job or what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. When, this question particularly, like, what am I going to do in order to change the relationship, change this job, change this outcome? Um, and we ask that question oftentimes already knowing the answer, I think, but not mm, not yeah. necessarily having the awareness or the time to stop and reflect and actually own that answer so that you can then move on
2: very Hmm. i like that it's very astute because yeah yeah it's the i think you get stuck when you're like why do i feel like this but you're saying like you probably know why you feel like that yeah (laughs) Yeah. yeah, you're just ignoring you're just like i don't want to actually deal with that so how do you for you personally how do you break through that so once you have that when you can break through and kind of realize that I I do know the answer to this,
0: yeah, and um, what's stopping
2: you to? Yeah, I think actually. the truth
0: the truth is, you know, I'm I'm a stubborn person. I'm a I you know I'm a Taurus. I don't know what that means really, but I'm told that that means I'm stubborn. <laughs> <That> you're stubborn, <laughs> that and that's
2: bull. No bull.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so I think in the in the past that in the past a lot of that has meant burnout. You know, working mm-hmm. working so hard or kind of maintaining so much stress that at the, at the end like there's no alternative. You know, th- sometimes people talk about like hitting rock bottom. I'm not I'm not saying that that's necessarily the same thing, but that's an opportunity. That's a place where sometimes you have no other choice but to ask a better question or to um or to move on.
1: Too much ambition, not enough chill.
0: Perhaps. Yeah. yeah. I think too much ambition, not enough chill. Yeah. That's your yeah. that's your ambition. That's right. So
1: then what is, what's your chill then? Like Yeah. What what is your chill?
0: So I, part of my chill is uh preparing food. So this morning um, in preparation for you guys coming over, I, I peeled this pomelo and I, I almost have a ritual about it. There's a way that I, I peel the pomelo, I cut the top off and then I take a knife, a very sharp paring knife, and I, I make four slits down the side and I use my thumb and I, I push the peel all the way down and then take about five minutes and I, I supreme each segment. This is called supreming, taking away all the piss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is, that's part of how I maintain, maintain chill because if in, both in music and in coaching, it can be a very intellectual exercise. Uh-huh. I mean, you're using your you're using your mind to navigate strategy a lot. But I think using your hands for labor, preparing things, preparing food, um, that totally helps shift the energy for me away, f- like from the neck down, you know, out of out of the the to do lists or whatever the the mental momentum is into more of like a present mind, present moment focus.
2: The one that's always looking yeah.
0: forward.
1: Yeah. Well, it's kind of. I don't, like, I don't know if this really, but in my mind, it relates. Um, we did an episode on positive procrastination mm-hmm. and kind of how, how, like, working on a very intellectual thing is, like, taxing, but, like, being able to cook or something where you have, or peel pomelo, where you have um a very, like, immediate, you have, like, an immediate product, like, it, it's so, like, this, it's efficient in this other way that
2: satisfies, satisfies something different, like. And you get to eat it at yeah, the end. You do get to eat it. Yeah. I mean, it's,
0: de- and it's delicious. There's yeah, a, yeah, totally there's a product delicious. at the end. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. That
2: sometimes, you know, like you just said, the questioning that never stops, really. Yeah. I mean, like, we, were talking, actually, yeah. we were talking <laughs>
0: earlier about chai, you know, and the difference between, I think, a homemade chai by someone who has taken the time to purchase each ingredient to make it particularly the way that they know how. And then the end product, you're like, how is it possible that, that is, this is this delicious? Chai?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um,
0: and, I, you know, some of the simple things when prepared simply, carefully, intentionally, mindfully are are the most delicious food and other things.
2: Well, I think that's fascinating because so momentum, momentum, you think of this thing that you have to move forward, but actually you're finding that for you to get into momentum, sometimes you have to just be present.
0: I think that's exactly right. Yeah. I think momentum, I think partly the danger culturally, the way we relate to momentum is that it is so future focused all mm-hmm. the time that it can be It can be almost pathological the way that we're future focused. And this goes back to the college admissions idea, which is that, you know, I'm, I'm working with a student now and he's a junior and he's looking off in the distance six, seven, eight months from now. And that future looks so bleak. It looks so kind of behemoth and large. Um, and he doesn't have the space to like just enjoy being now, being like a student now, um, and his activities at the moment. So I think, I think you're exactly right. Momentum has to be premised in the, in the moment for it to be. Um, Satisfying.
1: It has the word moment in it. It does. Oh my it totally God.
0: It does. Massive <laughs> brain. Oh my
1: God. Yeah. Yeah. I love when this happens. <laughs> this <Mind> happens. Blown.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, no. I didn't realize that either, but it's yeah, true. Yeah, except
1: for he, yeah, I didn't until he just said moment. Yeah. Yeah. We just
0: changed the world a little bit right now.
1: Yeah. You have to be in the moment. Moment. You, you know, it's always like, I had this like, image in my mind that i've always been obsessed with when i was a kid and it was just like i don't remember which cartoon but i think it was multiple cartoons where somebody was like in the snow fell rolled into like a ball like you know and then the snow just kept building on you know this they were in the snowball that just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and like i've always pictured that moment like anytime i hear the word that is literally the image that comes to my mind yeah yeah is like a the cartoon snowballing. character snowballing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah there's
0: a way we relate to momentum as almost out of control. Yeah. You know, but when you're in the moment, there there really is no future. You're you're just attending to the task at hand. And this yeah. is what's great about coaching because when you're coaching, you're just you have to be really really present with the person that you're that you're with just for that hour, right? You can't be thinking or distracted, you can't be on your phone or doing there's no multitasking, right? And so there has to be this practice of what it's like to be present with another individual and present with yourself just for that period of time.
2: I'm glad you brought that up because it's something me and I were talking about. I think, and one of the reasons people, um, people actually have a fear of momentum sometimes for that reason, Mm -hmm. that out of controlness, you know, there's a sense that like when you get into that flow, into the momentum, that means all of a sudden, like there, you, you may actually be successful at what you're doing and people are going to start calling you and you're going to have like mm-hmm. demands put on you and maybe you won't be able to control it or like what yeah. if it gets too big or like whatever. And like you you lose the control. And I think there there is a bit of a, a fear that you don't even realize that stops you from getting into that momentum when actually when you're right in it, it's it's more of a flow. You actually mm-hmm. can't be panicking about it.
1: Well, this is funny. Cause I, so I'm reading um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, and she's kind of talking about like the, which she moments of big magic or like, you know, when inspiration hits you and you're in flow and, and all that. But she talks about how inspiration, um, like the, how fear is this thing that kind of comes along with any endeavor. And so you just have to make room for it. But it's really interesting. She talks about how inspiration is, um, it'll come to you, like how you'll have an idea and then, and you'll kind of be scared of it and not work on it. And then like two years later, someone else will come out with it. Like that the inertia of an, an idea is greater than you. So you either cooperate with it and like, don't fear that momentum and you just work on it in whatever way you can and mm-hmm. accept that because like the you idea, receive it. yeah, receive it because the idea has more, is the momentum and you are like, the you are the the tool that it's working through.
0: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. It reminds me of some of the, some of the really great artists and the artists that I respect the most is their inspiration is not something that they take credit for mm-hmm. right you can think of you can think of inspiration you don't actually if you if you inquire into the experience of inspiration you don't actually know where inspiration comes from it occurs mm-hmm. to you and then we take all this credit you can take credit for the labor i think but not necessarily the creative idea or the creative impulse the creative impulse comes from some other some other place beyond our mind or our or just our our person and i think that is, that's, that relates to all aspects here, which is the ego has to kind of come out of it from mm-hmm. mo- momentum's feels scary when our ego is wrapped up in it. Like yeah. When, yeah. Our, when yeah. our particular identity or like our self image is really wrapped up in whatever our endeavor is, that's when it starts to feel scary because then all of a sudden we're risking our person. We're risking yeah. our identity.
1: Totally. Like she goes on to talk about how genius, like she, she thinks like the, the the downfall is like when we started ascribing genius to people, right. like, is it's the, um, because the I think the original Greek word is that genius was a separate inspiration that would come to you mm-hmm. and you would work together, mm-hmm. but genius, like somehow in a, in like in our culture has become adopted as a thing that we own.
0: Mm-hmm. And then now some people have, some people don't.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it, it becomes this like very, yeah. um, That's terrifying thing. Like yeah. it, it causes anxiety instead of just saying, Oh, no, genius and a lot of pressure. lives outside. Right. Yeah, like so what if pressure. I'm not going to be a
2: genius anymore? <laughs> yeah. Like someone's yeah. going to realize that I, I'm not as good as I, yeah, yeah. everyone or, thinks I am. Or like how she talked about how Harper Lee never
1: wrote like another novel after, um, to kill a mockingbird. Right. Because right. She just was like, there's no topping this. Right. Yeah. Where it's like she wasted all her, like all these opportunities for inspiration and genius, because she was terrified That's that so she fun. couldn't top it. Yeah, yeah.
0: until until what, that was last, that. until last year. Was yeah, it that book ago? came
1: out. Oh, that was written before, though. Right, uh, someone else released before, it. Yeah, someone um, else did. That was
2: released after, yeah. and, uh, and all the critics were like, "Oh, this isn't as good as blah yeah. blah blah." <laughs> turn, turn. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> but yeah, and so I think uh part of the momentum, then, yeah, is being able to receive and give and not not have the friction right and also not hold on
0: you know because when you know that that high that you get from feeling that momentum then you have to sometimes it moves on and it lets go or it goes in a different direction yeah if you you experience that momentum you're like wow this feels great i'm getting a lot done i'm feeling really, really productive but then then you start to control it or you interfere with it or you start to hold on that's when it can start to feel really terrifying if it moves or changes because that's the way of life everything is dynamic
2: yeah i actually had a conversation with someone about that about our podcast because so we open um uh we opened our podcast for like for the first time with our episode zero which was talking about the american dream and how uh we want to take it back in terms of recognizing how media politicians like Religion, culture, all these things have like dictated what the American dream is and like how we wanted to talk about how you can make it your own again and just like how it's a a pursuit of happiness. It's personal, yeah. Right. And clearly, though, it's not like me and Noah were the first ever to think of that in any way, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not like I'm even trying to take credit for that idea. But I think that's an ideal. And I think it's something that people need to be reminded of. And we want to help people go in that direction to like, reclaim their dream it doesn't even have to be American but like just mm-hmm. that idea of having dreams in general and, and I was ta- yeah, yeah. talking to someone about like what's your dream your ambition I'm like well I guess it's my dream but it's also not really mine you yeah, know like it's yes. just yeah. like it's clearly like I didn't. it's ours does. yeah it's it's also <laughs>
1: someone else's yeah, yeah it's, it's always totally. someone
2: else's and that's okay that I think we get so hung up with genius it's like this original idea like no one's thought of it before right? yeah
0: yeah and we unfortunately and I think it's unfortunate it's that we have an overemphasis on that, on valuing that in our culture. And mm-hmm. we don't value other things. We don't value as much the, the quieter aspects of life.
1: Mm-hmm. So what would you say, like, you... You started this business yourself, Spark Prep, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask. You, like, how did, how did that come to be?
0: Sure. Yeah. I think it came to be through a variety of ways. I was working in nonprofit organizations for a while. And, um, it was, it was pretty clear. I think that I had, that that had run its course. Um, and I wanted to work in a, in a different environment. Mostly I wanted to act. I wanted to find, you know, a side gig that would let me act, let me make my art, um, collaborate with other artists later transitioned more into music. And Spark Prep kind of presented itself, having done a lot of tutoring in my life, um, as a kind of natural progression of what it meant to be a professional tutor. Um, At a certain point, families started asking me to look at their students' college application essays. And it was pretty organic, actually. Um, But it did take a while for me to realize that I was running a business, because I had never set out to actually run a business and had no business running a business had No background <laughs> running a business um so it took some time to to brand and to develop a product and to develop a philosophy and to develop services and then to network and then a market um
1: but you were offering these services before you realized you were that just it, giving sure for some time yeah. yeah i
0: mean yeah it took like you know maybe a year and a half two years before i even had a website um and even now spark prep you know is in many ways a proxy for the thing that i specifically do with individual clients but now it's Now, because I feel deeply committed to changing the conversation about college admissions and admissions in general has become so pathological in our country. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it, it really does a disservice to young people who are exploring who they're going to be and how they're going to be that person. Um, that SparkPack now is, yes, it's a college admissions service, but it's also, it's also in cloak, a way of just being with young people and reminding them of their greatness, reminding them of their capacity. Um, And encouraging them to ask deeper questions, right? They've been so, I think, conditioned to only ask very, very narrow kind of intellectual questions and the same intellectual questions year after year after year, go through the same curriculum. Um, and I think college applications provide this really unique opportunity to start reflecting on deeper things. Um, and they're totally capable of it. 16, 17, 18 year olds are, are totally capable of asking and answering profound questions about who they are, the meaning of life, the experiences that have shaped them. Um, so I feel it turns out, actually, that I've, I'm incredibly lucky to work with young people. And that started out primarily because I didn't want to work for anyone else. <laughs> and I wanted the flexibility and the time to make my art and make music.
2: I think you also told me, too, that it was difficult for you to even segment uh, a part of your life towards a business or a company that you felt like wasn't aligned with your principles and your purpose?
0: Yeah, I think that's part of it. I, I mean, I have to be honest, you know, in my, in my early 20s and mid-20s, I was certainly just like, I was very much a political idealist and an artistic idealist, and I'm still very much radical in some respects, but there was just a function of, of pragmatism and practicality to, um, I think, an emotional and psychological stability that I was seeking. I think late in my 20s, I had started developing some pretty severe anxiety around maybe 26, 27 um, and that just became unsustainable, mostly because I just didn't know what my role was going to be. Um, yes. And so it took a lot of iterating to figure out what my role was going to be. I was a I was a server for a really long time. I worked in the restaurant industry. I worked for nonprofits. I um, did a bunch of different things. And I think it's necessary to some extent to go through a bunch of different iterations, see, does this work now? Does this work now? Mm-hmm. Does this work now? And it, that kind of goes back to the asking questions and seeing if those questions are, are interesting or not. Um, and then slowly, slowly, slowly sustainability started to present itself and spark prep took the form of something that I both loved and could invest time in and felt like it was meaningful. Um, but it did, it took time for those confluence of things to come together.
1: Right. And it's by no means
0: perfect. It's by no, it's by no means perfect at all. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You can't, I mean, uh, it came to, to like you, that. you. Yeah. That I- <laughs> yeah. I totally, I totally it totally visited did. you. Yeah. Did you have one of those aha moments though? I know it was something direct like like how am I like what am I doing and then you know like you are saying that you have those questions you actually know the answer and then you take a pause and you're like oh wait everyone's been asking me to do this thing that I've been there sure. yeah, yeah i think
0: yeah no i think it definitely goes back to you know that you know that experience where you'll hear a piece of advice over and over and over and over again and and then suddenly you'll hear it worded differently or yeah. someone different mm-hmm. will say it and then all of a sudden you'll be like man everybody's been asking me that
2: that's what i just but
0: now I finally get it. You know, I think it was definitely that kind of thing where a lot of friends said, man, you got to brand this or you got to, you need to put a business plan together. You need web design or those kind yeah. of things. And I was like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. And I kind of had dismissed it. Yeah. Um, and then it just was like obvious, like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, and this goes, you know, this goes back to another, from a business perspective, this is slightly less esoteric. I just, at a certain point, I realized that I actually needed to take authority and, own the legitimacy of the thing that I was offering. I think mm. when we were talking earlier, part of the thing that sometimes gets in our way is believing that we're we're worthy or that we're a valid source of the thing that we're providing, the service that we're providing, or what we say that we're what we're doing. And I think developing a business was so outside of my identity that it took me a while for me to actually own that. That's what
2: I was doing. That's so fascinating. Actually, really, yeah. I'm so happy that you said that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because i actually i feel like there especially when you are young and idealist, you know like there's there's an aversion towards anything that is too Permanent. Money, to
0: establishment to yeah.
2: establishment like even anything that's money driven anything that's too like seeming like that it might corrupt your your purity of just like creating art or creating just whatever just creating in general yeah yeah and a big part of being chill and ambitious i think is also answering that how do you sustain your creativity yeah. which is the real you know so that yeah. does involve yeah. some money and understanding how money works and yeah. um or being able to not be afraid of it and then I think when say something like money if you don't understand it at all I think that's the most likely chance you're going to be like corrupted <laughs> yeah. by money or being ruled by money if you don't even understand it if you can't like oh, certainly, yeah, have uh, like yeah. there's a major oh, education yeah. <laughs> and, yeah.
0: and, uh, I think a lot particularly living in San Francisco for the fa- for the past many many years just realizing how deeply ignorant I was about how, how money works, how, how economy works, and things like that. that. That was major learning for me, for sure. That's so
1: interesting. Yeah. The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. That's what I want.
0: That's what
2: I want. How did you, um, you still have a lot of clients in Southeast Asia and so yeah. and how how did that happen?
0: Yeah, that was definitely serendipity when I decided to uh start Spark Prep formally. Um I was very very close with the dean of freshmen um at Stanford Julie Lithcott Hames. Um and she was leaving her role at Stanford and we had been close friends. Um and we started talking a lot about education um and I told her about Spark Prep um and she came on as a senior consultant for a while. Um and that lent us a lot of cachet, but because we were very aligned in our, our values. Um, and I think through her, um, we met um, another woman who is in Vietnam, also a Stanford alum, who is also doing admissions. And we started going out doing workshops there. Um, and so for the last three years, um, through various partnerships, we have been doing workshops, one-on-one sessions in Vietnam. Um, and then by extension, just made, expanded our network and have, have, uh, colleagues in Singapore and throughout Southeast Asia. Yeah. Totally also came to me, not expected, not something I sought out. Um, and then was very fortunate when I first went out to Vietnam, that Vietnam felt like a second home in a very unexpected kind of way. Um, and started learning the language and enjoyed having a motorbike and yeah. love with durian as we were talking about. Earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. and yeah, and it just made it is now a very central part of my life, and um, again, totally unexpected, but very fortunate.
2: Do you speak all well, those languages? No, uh, they speak English. Well,
0: Singapore, they speak, speak English. Sing- yeah, yeah, they speak English in Singapore, um, and I am very lucky to have a wonderful tutor when I'm in Hanoi. So I I take lessons. Ah. I am functional enough to use a taxi service and order food.
1: Like we talked about momentum, but like, how do you deal with with a rut? Like when you inertia, lose your, yeah. How do you lose when you get? when you lose that inertia you get stopped how do you deal
0: that's an excellent question um i think the best way that i can answer that is musically related um and it's you know it's not unique i just listen to other i listen to music um that's yeah. inspirational to me i mean there's you know some pretty go to artists and also a lot of innovation happening in music right now i mean sounds are changing sounds are sounds are doing crazy things in the last few years um so if i'm ever feeling like for whatever reason i've lost momentum with my art And that's probably where I feel like I lose momentum most frequently. Um, I'll just listen to see what contemporary musicians are doing or people who I respect are doing. Um, And that generally will be like, either compositionally or in sound design, I will find something that they're doing that's really interesting to me.
1: And then how would you like go after, like, let's say you're listening, but you're still not sure what you, like, do you just then say like, oh, I want to try and make something in the sound of like... Yeah,
0: oftentimes. Yeah, oftentimes. Yeah, because I'm such a sound sound geek, I'll be like, Oh, that sound sounds really fascinating. Like this one particular synthesizer line. I bet I can recreate that. I think I know that this is like a combination of a detuned saw wave plus like whatever else. Um, and I will, I'll start there oftentimes. Um, or I will hear a key and I'll be like, Oh, that's fascinating. They're using like a lot of extended chords here. And then I'll just sit at my keyboard and fucks around a little bit.
1: So like that's something that people though could like kind of do. It's like, Oh, you like this? You know, you're an illustrator and you. Yeah, you Yo, yeah 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 oh, let me try like drawing in this person. So, like yeah. it's like literally it's kind of like giving yourself homework almost. In
0: some ways, but I also think, you know, I think the bigger question is when you're in a rut, I think you want to assess the mindset. And I think the mindset usually suggests that you think you should be doing something that you're not doing. And mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that needs to be looked at a little bit. Like if you feel like you're in a rut, usually you're like I'm not being productive. Well, then what are you not being productive towards? And you're you're usually i think oriented towards some kind of opaque future and it might just be taking a step back and being like cool i'm going to be in a rut for like the next day for the next 24 hours next 48 hours and actually like let yourself
2: be in the rut s- okay. yeah let
0: yourself be in the rut and stop resisting it i think resistance is one of the things that mm-hmm. makes it worse yeah,
2: you know? totally and it's then a, you're digging that hole because yeah. you have the guilt on top of it yeah well, I think I that's also such a self-judgment. useless, it's such a useless emotion. Well, I'm glad you said the judgment part because I think a theme that keeps coming up is like rethinking something as bad or good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I and mean, that's, yeah, that's, huge.
2: We're seeing it as inertia when really it's maybe that's the good procrastination that we're yeah. talking about, that we talked about in this other episode.
0: I heard once that Stephen King was uh, giving a, a book reading. Um, and there was an open discussion afterwards and someone raised his hand and asked, how do you deal with? Writer's block, um, and Stephen King said, "I don't, I don't get writer's block." Um, and the guy was like, "Well, for writers who get writer's block, well, what would you suggest they do?" And Stephen King's response was, "We actually don't, we don't really need more writers. If you can't write, if you're not writing, <laughs> maybe you're not supposed to be writing right then." And I think on the one hand, that sounds kind of like cold, yeah, and a little, a little unkind. But on the other hand, it's actually you could relate to that as an opportunity to be like. Well, I'm orienting to myself as someone who should be writing and I'm not, but maybe I should be doing something different right now. Yeah, and yeah. I think maybe the rut, maybe the rut that we experience is actually an opportunity for us to reconsider. Am I oriented correctly? I love that reconsider. actually.
1: I love it..
2: Don't do it. Reconsider. Some sure, on the subject, you writing is so much experiential you know like maybe that you maybe it doesn't mean you're not ever a writer yeah, again, ever again but, but, maybe but maybe you right just now. go do some other crap yeah, that gives yeah. you inspiration Going so that hike. like it's, it's kind of like the dating yeah. thing the person who like really wants the boyfriend or girlfriend yeah. and it's like maybe you should just work on your own stuff and then like you'll meet somebody who's like doing what you're doing and it'll be a bit more organic than like The cold mission to like walk somebody down. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think that's, I think that's an excellent example of that. Uh,
1: I'm curious because you said that you mostly feel like that you mostly only get ruts musically versus, um, versus like with spark plug or sorry, spark prep (laughs) with spark prep. Um, but do you think that's because you, uh, are responsible for like the, with, for other people, like with that?
0: Like I think that's part of it, certainly. I think the other part is um, the switching of the hats. Um, so I think momentum can feel targeted towards one direction. So right now, Spark Prep has tons of momentum, and I'm loving it. I'm riding the ride. Um, and sometimes, like on a Wednesday, I'll be like, I haven't made music in a little while, and then I'll need to kind of jumpstart that a little gotcha. bit. So I think it's just the switching of the hats where I'll be riding the ride of, of Spark Prep, but that's a very, very specific... PR process, or marketing process, or business development process, um, and then to kind of get back into that creative mindset, I need more of a practice, or more of, um, yeah, more of an inspiration to jumpstart that.
2: So yeah, I was reading this article uh, on ninety nine U. You ever read that blog? No, I don't know it. It's a uh, via Behance, which like is a portfolio site. Um, and this article was by Jocelyn K. Glay, and he talks about, um, the art of momentum. I've already actually referenced some of the things he talks about in it, but, uh, one of the tips that he talks about is carving out that consistent block of time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to make room for whatever work that you're doing. And it, it ma- actually made me remind me of like all this new studies coming about building habits and just having to do like a little bit at a time. And, uh, one of the big tips he gives is like not, setting too lofty of a goal you know so if like right now when you're going from zero not necessarily being like okay for the next i'm going to just immediately go like eight hours 12 hours a day or something like make it a bit more incremental (laughs) (laughs) incremental tie your shoes yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) because yeah that's just that's not how momentum works just like mathematically (laughs) like you you actually have to it multiplies and um you don't get to go zero to a 100 real quick no and and when that happens, that's like a really it's 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 those are also multiple steps that would yeah. yeah to 100. And, and
1: in
0: fact, you shouldn't because if you go to 100 and then you go back down to zero, right after that, then you can get down on yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And the part of the part of building incrementally is, as you said, developing new habits. I think you know I took I took January, November, December were like intensely stressful months, and I took January kind of to unwind, and I realized. Oh, it's not actually that I unwind. It's that I want to live life differently in a different gear. Mm-hmm. And I want that to be the stabilize. I don't want to take reprieves from a life that is actually otherwise very intense and very stressful. I would like, I would like my baseline and my normal to be gentler. Right. Um, and I think if you, if you're focused on going from zero to a hundred and then you crash again, that can be almost more detrimental to, you know, taking the long road and going slower and plotting.
2: It's not sustainable. Yeah. There's That's a lot of yeah. diminishing returns and wasted energy yeah. in that model, quick returns, but then all the recovery, you're, you mm-hmm. know, we're all getting older too. Your body <laughs> yeah. can't take that stress after a while. Sorry, Drizzy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about um, just that transition because you we talked a little bit earlier about how you, because of prep being kind of seasonal, right? Mm -hmm. And so November, December gets these really intense months. Mm -hmm. And um, I asked you, like, how how could you tell you were starting to burn out a little bit? Like how, like you when you weren't incorporating enough chill.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, for me, it's I, and I think it's true for a lot of people when you're when you're running low on resources. And this is a word my mom uses. My mom is extraordinarily extraordinarily talented at at identifying things like this when you're when you're under resourced, is what she says. When you're under resourced, it's it's really hard to be present with people. Like if you if you don't have enough sleep, and you don't if your Maslow's hierarchy of needs is not being met, mm-hmm. not enough sleep, not enough like glycogen stores in your blood, um, not enough you know emotional support or, or space. It's just it's very difficult to be present with people. You can be you're not providing as as good a service. Um, In terms of the compassion, the empathy, the thoughtfulness strategy, whatever it is that you need to be providing to your clients. Um, yeah. So I can, you know, I can, I, I think I first noticed that I was running on burnout in December when I, when I met with a student and I came away from the session being like, I was a little bit short with that person, you know, the, like the student had totally slacked on a deadline or something. And it was like the second or third or fourth time and I Mm kind of like lost my patience. Um, and that's not, not usually how I run, how I run things. And I was like, Oh man, that probably means that I'm, Distracted by other things or not getting, you know, not getting enough. I'm dehydrated. Right. Right.
2: How would you, I think in your chill state, how would you have dealt with that situation instead when some, like a kid's just like been slacking off for the three, four weeks?
0: Yeah. So, um, I think so much of the way this business runs is based on empathy, right? So I think if a, if a student is not meeting the deadlines or fulfilling the agreements that they've set, I have to get into kind of their experience and see, well, what, what's up for them? What do they need? Like where is that coming from? Um, and if I was again in my chill space, I would shift gears away from you didn't hold your agreement or you didn't meet this meet this deadline to, to providing an experience for them where they can feel success, right? Wherever they're being successful and where they're, wherever they're wherever they're um, meeting deadlines or or moving forward, reminding them that they're doing an excellent job, and then seeing if I can segue that energy into this thing that actually needs to get done.
2: That's momentum again. Yeah. So you find the small victory. I find the small victories.
0: yeah, absolutely. And see if I can then be like, hey, so since we've just done this excellent thing, would you mind just knocking this other thing that we've been talking about out of the park?
2: Because it's probably like a confidence thing. There's a lot of different stuff that goes into like when you're not meeting yeah, yeah. certain performance, sure. like whatever. Yeah,
0: and like you were talking about earlier, I think the fear, a lot of it comes from resistance. I mean, yeah. one, of, one of the ways we deal with fear in life is through avoidance. Mm-hmm. And if there's if there's a place where we're avoiding something, typically that means that we're like resisting the sense of fear, right? Mm-hmm. There's a sense of fear, and we're not looking at, we're not interested in dealing with it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's a way that someone like me or anyone really can make that more palatable or less dangerous or more approachable, um, then all of a sudden the resistance can disappear, the fear can dissipate, and then there's flow again. There's there's more room for momentum. And so part of my job is to identify those places where either that confidence is lacking because there's fear. And usually that comes from a misunderstanding. So clarifying a misunderstanding, creating clarity, having like a, a stronger vision, and then removing whatever the impediment is. And then all of a sudden momentum kind of returns. You might even, you might even think of momentum as kind of like our natural state.
1: I and- love it. Well, yeah. No, totally makes sense. <laughs> well, because we talk so much about resistance, like, even in, in like, it's like a principle in Vedic, like in, in Vedic meditation too. It's just that like anything that's resists will that persist. Persists. Anything sure. that resists yeah. will persist. Yeah. That's the, that's the theme. Yeah. That makes so much sense though. That's like, yeah. Natural and so then, state. The, then
0: the game should then be to just address whatever the impediment is and see why that's there. And then once that's removed, then you return back to flow.
2: Don't try to fight. I I really like how you put that Mm because I think that's probably a big driver for myself or why I always like to ask questions and the growth because in some ways it is always you find those new resistance that you didn't know you had or it's in a different way and like trying to get at the root of understanding where that's coming from and I don't know, for me, that's a personal drive for like why I love to ask those questions. And right. maybe it is. It's a it's a thrived want to be back in that natural state because yeah. you yeah. can tell like these are artificial or maybe something happened to me a long time ago. Mm-hmm. That I didn't even know was like in the back of my mind, stopping me from mm-hmm. doing what I needed to do in the present.
1: Well, also, I think that the fear of like asking yourself those questions probably comes it comes from like. A belief of what, who you are as a person, right? Like you have these images of who we are, who our who we are at our, at our core. And then maybe you'll find that you're not as good of a person. Like you're not the person you think you are, which is not a problem, right? Like, but that we view ourselves in a very specific way and asking questions like messes with that narrative that we've right. already built. Yeah. Right.
0: yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's huge. You know, I think that's our core existential fear is that we're not who we take ourselves to be. Mm-hmm. But that's also, that's also where the greatest opportunity for a more fulfilling, satisfying life is because once you're not living life through that fictitious narrative mm-hmm. and you're living life and your identity is in flow as much as your life is in flow, yeah. then that's like, that's, that's the real joy and satisfaction because when you're in flow, you're not actually thinking about who you are. No, you're, just, you're not yeah, referencing it. your identity. You're just in the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's it's, beautiful. It's beautiful. And it relates so much to everything. Um. <laughs> it was, honestly, like, I'm just saying like, no, like, or how people like flip out, you know, every penny does this, like, you don't want a bad picture of you going online or something like that. Like, it's like this idea of like, oh, I have to present like this very, mm-hmm. um, like curated view of who myself is, to even though it's to myself. It's like, do you, I remember my friend, Katrine, she's a videographer and a, a director and a photographer. And she took this photo of me. It's a very beautiful photo, but it doesn't look like how you think of yourself, how I think of myself. And at first she goes, you act weird about it. And I was like, it makes me uncomfortable because it looks like me. Like it actually looks like me, not like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this view of myself and like my, my family loves this photo and all this stuff, yeah. but it's like, I was just like, I feel exposed <laughs> and it was so funny. Cause it's like, why should I feel so weird about a photo sure. that looks actually looks like me? Right.
2: I don't
0: know. I mean, it it, it goes to the, we we can never really see ourselves. Yeah.
2: But then when you saw it, it hit you in a certain way. Yeah, it did because it was taken by
1: somebody who, like, I think a photo taken by somebody who knows you and loves you, like, especially when they have the ability to take a photo, like, you know, take a meaningful photo. It just was weird. It's like, this is me and I don't feel comfortable.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Did you, did you have a thrilling moment after it? I feel like for me, when I have a moment like that, there's the immediate, (gasps) like, But then there's, like, kind of a cathartic release, though, when, like, it's around somebody safe. That, yeah. Like no. Actually, we're like, it wasn't as bad as you thought, right? Everyone loves it. And, no, like... <laughs> no, it, it, no, it was more, yeah,
1: it was more like a self-reflection thing. Like, oh, I, I like, it, that was a moment when it hit me as, like, you, like, you are who you are. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is who you, like, and, like, sometimes you look like this and sometimes you don't look like that and it doesn't really matter. Like... Yeah. But at first it was, like, jarring. <laughs>
2: Well, I want to ask you, Luke. We talked a little bit earlier about, I guess, one of one of the things that I guess you ran into in your life where you had an idea of yourself and add up, and you were talking about the business part, right? Like, I'm a business person now, right? In some in some way, right? Well,
0: actually, I think it goes back to business. Business person is one of the things that I do. I think my earlier fear was that being a business person would somehow impact who I was and what i realized is it is it okay it it is okay for it to be one of the things that i do and it, mm. it without it actually changing
2: your identity
0: my my core identity it's just yeah. something
2: that you do and of
0: course everything that we do changes us to some extent but not at the not really not at the core right if we have a deep if we have a deep connection and a deep sense of of who we are like on on the fundamental level then what we do almost always comes from that place the form, the form of it, isn't as important,
2: right? And well, I think I
0: was so preoccupied with business. Um, I had a lot of baggage yeah. around what business meant. Yeah, right.
1: You didn't want to be yourself. Yeah, and way.
0: the truth is, now I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it my way. We happen to call it business, but it's really just a thing that I'm doing.
1: You don't have to carry a briefcase and yeah. like, <laughs> and like yell at people, <laughs> like yeah. working in work like, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, and w- working in an office with no windows. So yeah, yeah, and that's
0: and it's it's actually it's phenomenally empowering to understand that because then. I can actually just design the process the way that is in alignment with my values. And now I have a business partner and one of the, you know, it took five years for me to find someone and I've, I've worked with a lot of different people, but this, this particular human being, we're just in such alignment around our philosophy, the way we want to do business, the way we want to develop our, our services for clients. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. And you have permission, you get to give yourself permission to design your business to be the way that you want it to be. There's no there is no mold that you have to fit. I guess I want to be the best. I just want to do it my way and turn a whole game sideways. To show people you ain't got to be resigned to the highway. You can make a path for these motherfuckers drive straight. I ain't mad at that.
2: Could you talk a little bit more about that in terms of like what is your vision for business and how it departs maybe how business has been traditionally looked at or maybe at least your previous preconceptions of what business was supposed to look at
0: like sure yeah I mean I don't the truth is again I don't I don't have any experience in other business which is the the irony of all of this. So much of it is is designed to meet meet the particular needs of my life, which is mostly to have space to do art and to um spend time with people. Um but I think I think you know it's part of the baggage that a lot of us have around businesses is that it's about avarice, that it's about accumulation, that it's about exploiting people or it's about exploiting uh, a loophole. And I think it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way you know certainly i think coming from you know a more perhaps socialist background or or very very leftist background we believe that all business is, is corporate
1: mm-hmm. um
0: and that isn't necessarily true in many ways you know all exchange abides by some some rule of business um and you don't have to you know we get caught up in these words business doesn't actually mean anything except for the right. thing that we ascribe de- to de- it. Yeah, yeah except for the thing that we ascribe to it um, and so now that that's not, now that's not an impediment anymore for mm-hmm. me. Um, I'm happy to call it business because that makes it legitimate for other people, you know, and, and that's fine. Um, but in my mind, it is, it's just a part of the thing that well, I do in life.
1: It was like a work of momentum. It was literally just like you went along and it, it built it. You, it kind of built itself, sure. right? Yeah. It told you what it wanted to be. And then. Right. Well. You know, it went yeah. long.
2: What I like about what you said too is, uh, I think where, where business and money does get, come into a problem is like, yeah, the average degree. When people start putting money as the priority versus these other aspects of what a business can supply, because at the end of the day, a business is supposed to be like, you need something, I have something. So we exchange it, or like, and that's how we're yeah. supposed to. It should help be about each- community. Right. It's a, it actually at the end day, it, it is about community when it first started, right? Or like, uh, it's or so people can go do other things and farm, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so mm-hmm. if you don't want to be a farmer, you can start selling that, and you can you can have your other trades, right. and so we work together to bring together, um, what we need, and then money just as a cash flow thing, so that right. you don't have to wait for the harvest. Mm-hmm. You can actually be like IOU, yeah. and uh, but I think what's important. Or what I've noticed about you is that you you seem to have recognized like the power of money in that way in terms of like how it can just be a vehicle like you said something that you just do to like what you actually really care about because your goal isn't like to have a lot of money now all of a sudden like I'm a business person my it seems to be uh, to now you have money signs for eyes yeah 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 (laughs) Uh, that you can live by certain standards that you have set for yourself right.
0: Well, and also really contribute to other people's lives. It would be different. It would, it would be different if I felt like my, my business was not human centered. mm -hmm. And it is, it's focused on, it's focused on the experience of, of young people who are going to grow up to be adults, who are going to participate in society, um, and their growth trajectory. Right. And I think a lot of education has gotten away from that. And I, and I don't, there's no finger pointing in that because it's, it's a very, very convoluted system. Mm -hmm. Um, but if there's ways that you can, that you can function outside of that and provide a reference for students to think about and orient to life in a different way, a way that isn't, isn't defined by test scores and achievement and prestige and competition and stress and anxiety. Um, but is actually perhaps a little more esoteric, but is more deeply rooted in who they're going to be for the rest of their lives, not the next two or three years, but spark prep, the vehicle is to prepare them for. A broader horizon of their lives—forty years, fifty years, sixty years—not just not just the the next ten months to get you into college and then you're off on your own, you know.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a moment where the need to make money ever conflicted with this mission?
0: Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think again the Maslow's hierarchy of needs will will challenge you if you feel like your needs are not being met. You know, and how and however we relate to our our needs, if you feel like your needs are not being met, you know, you will, people naturally, I think, look to a side hustle. You know, mm-hmm. can I, can I get this short term gain before I'm getting to the long term mm-hmm. gain? Um, yeah. So that's, you know, I think, but a part of that is an orientation again, you know, like what do I really need to be comfortable? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're constantly referencing your peers and what they have, and this is, you know, a legitimate challenge living in, in the Bay Area where, you know, I'll, I'll be 30 this year and a lot of my friends, who I, who I went to college with, they own their own companies or they're, mm-hmm. they're in director roles at, at major tech companies. Mm-hmm. And it. I think it is part of the human condition that we compare ourselves to others. Um, but you have to stop doing that at some point.
1: Comparison is the thief of joy. I don't know who said that, but I love yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> it's true.
0: It's true. I mean, and and it's natural. It's yeah. totally natural to compare yourself to others as long as you use that in a productive way and as long as you it doesn't become pathological or addictive. And so when you stop comparing yourself to others, you actually, you know, you you can live on quite li- little, you can be quite frugal and still have joy. Right? So if joy is then the central goal rather than money. If you stop conflating money joy. and acquisition with joy, <laughs> yeah. then you live your life differently.
1: Well, and then then that becomes like a positive thing to look at someone else and say like how happy is this person? I want to be like, my friend is super happy. How do I get to that point? Versus like, yeah.
0: Have you ever hung out with billionaires? Some of them are miserable. (laughs) Yeah, Or even multimillionaires. I mean, and we, what's funny is we, we know this. We're told from a very young age that money does not equal happiness. Money can't buy happiness. And yet, as you were mentioning earlier, from media and from politics, we receive a very different message. So we get these majorly conflicting messages as we're growing up. And it's very difficult to dissociate the idea that money actually does buy you happiness right when experientially it feels like in the era of social media you're looking at people posting selfies on a yacht and you're like oh that looks fun that must be their life when in fact they're an alcoholic or <laughs> their marriage is in shambles or they have a deep or more importantly they have a deep sense of emptiness and they lack have to of keep meaning it, yeah. yeah and so we we have to at some point take responsibility in our own lives to determine that the direction is not about acquisition. It's not about ownership. It's not about accumulation. It is about joy and it's about this moment and each moment that you live your life. I think each moment that you live your life presently is a major win.
2: Super rich kids with nothing but loose things. Super rich kids with nothing but fake friends. Real life. Me and Luke met years ago but we've just recently connected uh to do this podcast and uh i'm actually so i'm, I'm in new york and coming here to, to the bay and we like to do our interviews in person and i literally just i put a facebook post out being like hey i'm looking for life innovators people who leverage their strengths to create uh, a life that meets their daily desires and lifelong needs. And Luke's like, never heard a called a life innovator before, but I think that sounds like me. And I was like, <laughs> well, yeah, it's cause we invented we the word. word. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and this happened within minutes. And then we were talking on Facebook and we set a date and it just happened like that. And I was yeah. just like, okay, I like working with him in the, the sense momen- that was, yeah, yeah. The, the momentum was there. Like we, we didn't, you know, get too much of like, Oh, what does she want from me? Or like, yeah, do I have enough? Well, it just was like. Seem seemed yeah. like there wasn't that resistance. And so I noticed that um, about you, and that's actually one of the first things we talked about in our um, pre-interview about momentum. Uh, and it seemed to be a continual theme when I was talking to you. Like you were mentioning your partner, uh, that your business partner that you uh, just decided to go into business with. Oh, I liked this. When I re- read her notes, I was like, oh, what is this? I love this. <laughs> and I actually, I would for you to tell me again about it was your process for how you decided to go into business with her.
0: Oh yeah. Um, So yeah, we went, we went to college together. Uh, We've known each other for a long time. Um, And like me, she kind of maybe primarily identifies as an artist. Art is one of her, her main practices. She's an excellent choreographer and uh, dancer living in New York. Um, But she's also owned a tutoring business and a test prep business for many, many years. So, you know, those are, naturally complementary, um, businesses for college admissions. And we, we reconnected maybe a year ago. Um, and we just had a lot of conversations about how, how our businesses feed our art and how we manage those different, you know, buckets. She's actually the one who kind of taught me the idea of buckets, um, (laughs) which makes perfect sense for me. Um, and at a certain point, we just, we started having these conversations about, about really basic stuff, values, um, purpose, um. And we had kind of an intensive and, and it, the intensive that we had a few days, um, I went out to New York and we did a few days together at, um, at this place called Impact Hub. Um, and what we first started talking about was our, was our values, our philosophy, like how, we, like process, right? And instantly it was very clear that with our emphasis on process and with our emphasis on values and our emphasis on treating, treating people and serving people as human beings, whole human beings, mm-hmm. um, that there was a lot of alignment there. Um And what was great was we quickly determined that every conversation we had was valuable, like whether or not we determined we were going to go into business together, um, and at every juncture, it was every conversation we came away from, I, either either feeling seen, feeling validated, learning something, um, or having a shared experience, having some experience of collegiality, because when you run, when you run your own business as a sole proprietor, sometimes it's a solitary Endeavor, even if you're collaborating with other people, um, but to work suddenly with someone who's in a parallel industry who has similar experiences, um, was really really excellent. Um, and part of part of what we agreed on early on was, you know, we could always say, you know, this is actually going in two different directions, and but we're going to put the friendship first. We're going to put the relationship first, um, and make sure that there's always alignment.
2: Yeah. It was it really struck me because you said, yeah, more or less you were like, even if we don't move forward, you realize you are still getting something valuable out yeah. of these conversations, yeah. even though supposedly the MO of the conversation was to figure out if we're going to go ahead with partnership. Right. And right. um And I
0: think that's that should that's a that's an excellent orientation. The orientation is as long as, as as long as I've gotten something valuable out of this conversation. Um and I not even as long as, like I trust that I will get something valuable out of this conversation. Because I trust this human being and because this human being trusts me and I can show up authentically with them. Right. right. And there's no, there's no agenda to like extract value. It's just to be present and in that exchange, growth just naturally happens.
2: Well, I think it made me kind of realize kind of like why I love this podcast. Cause, uh, yeah, some of the guests we have on, we end up doing other projects with. Maybe we don't, but yeah. like people ask me, they're like, don't you get exhausted from talking to all these people? And, I guess for me, I is I'm so excited about meeting people who are also chill and ambitious and have these like yeah. ideals and like, finding out their story and how they came to that. Uh I yeah I do just find that valuable in itself. And um it also uh it it caught me in that I think in my more chill states I'm more aware of that, but I've definitely in other less chill states haven't been as appreciative of mm-hmm. how maybe those conversations Impact. are impacting me. Um, or maybe I, I do notice it later. I'm like, oh, that conversation, I really thought about it, but I don't take the time <laughs> to be like, oh, I'm going to appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. And I was wondering if that's uh, a habit that you've cultivated, because I would imagine that adds to your momentum, you know, to constantly have a habit that like takes things and appreciates them and the positivity to build those victories, those small victories, like you were saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, think, I think the way that I relate to it is that Good or bad, every experience that ends is then done, and then you're in the next moment. And as as long as as long as you're as long as you're then present again, and then again, and then again, then it's always good. You know, it's a lot. It's when you start lingering on was that conversation successful or not successful, and sometimes that has that has real pragmatic use. But from a life perspective. Yeah. You know, lingering, lingering in the past and having anxiety about the future is, litera- good, is literally right, yeah. the recipe for yeah. suffering. Yeah. Linger, man. Yeah, totally. Linger. Hard, hard
1: is there something? Yeah. There, is there some? There's nothing you do to like remind yourself to be in the moment.
0: No. Sometimes the moment reminds me to be in it.
2: Ooh. Ooh because you have that awareness. Well what you're you also doing? you he is a meditator. You are. He I is
1: had a <laughs> language you
2: keep using.
0: Okay, now you're talking my language. 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 Guilt, shame and stress are all habits. Yeah,
1: all
0: oh, useless. Yeah, well I mean they yeah, The stress is me. They t- little, they mm-hmm. teach you I mean they teach you whatever they teach you and anything that teach you has teaches you has value but only until it doesn't anymore.
1: Well, well I think it's they, if you're learning from it, though, like there's a, there's a difference, though, because you have like guilt and shame are kind of just like built in, right? Like you're always gonna have, like you're always gonna have them about some things, and shame should only really come from a place where you're saying, "Is this aligning with my core values? If it's not aligning with who I am as a person, like morally, or you know, then yeah, then you think about why you're why you feel ashamed, right? Well, like, right? The, and you reassess, but guilt. And I guess guilt can come from that, but guilt is like the lingering feeling, right? Like that's the, like it, we're taught that, I don't know, like, I don't know that it has a use.
2: Well, I think 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 all of them have uses in the sense of like indicators, like, yeah, like maybe not useful in the sense of like, uh, absorbing yourself into it. But I think like when you have guilt. I think that's an indicator like maybe you but aren't you doing to, something that's aligning with okay, it right yeah, you, you know and it's information and you, it's yeah. information, like processing it or like you need to apologize like
1: you feel guilty about the right, right. um, that person yeah but yeah at the end of the day it should be like
2: a reflection of of morality and then maybe it should be some temporary though. is there a process or certain questions that you seem to find you ask yourself um to to make sure you're asking the right questions
0: yeah, well, I think you know a lot of it is shared accountability. So having have have a business coach, um, a therapist, I have you know a bunch of people who can help me see things from a new perspective. Mm-hmm. I you know I, I really think life is a collaborative effort, um, and I think having allies who have different skill sets and experiences than you um, is is major because you know I think to your earlier point of getting in a rut, if we're asking the same question over and over and over again, we. We just might need some
1: perspective.
2: Yeah. That makes sense. It gets well, flow. Question answer. Yeah. You have to have the feedback to yeah. keep yeah. the flow
1: going, right? Mm-hmm. But I like what you said about like life is kind of a communal effort. Like, yeah, because our whole like one of our biggest tenets is just that like the world works better when we play to our strengths. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's okay to recognize where you're. Where you could use someone else's strength.
0: Yeah, but you have yeah. to be in that. You have to also be willing to listen because you know I know people and I'm sure you do as well who you can have all the business coaches and therapists and advisors <laughs> in the world and you can pay them a bunch of money, but if you don't, if you don't listen and if you're not open,
1: yeah. if you're
0: not open to actually shifting or hearing something in a deep way, then people can just talk at you and, and it's just hitting a brick yeah. wall.
1: Well, we were talking like you were talking about Olivia how like momentum is reciprocal. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's the most I. It sounds like momentum seems like a like a solo mission. Well, it's it, funny but maybe it's not. Yeah, but it's not, I guess. <laughs> I
0: think related to your your other question about building momentum or maintaining or experiencing momentum, um, for me recently has been doing working on projects that are not my own. Right, getting outside of my gets getting outside of my two buckets. You know, if you look around in your community, you know you know so many people who are doing excellent things. And yeah. if you can if you can provide Two, three, four, five, six hours of labor for them on a Tuesday or a Saturday or whatever. That that just is. It pays dividends manifold because they get to experience that you support them. You get to be involved in a, in a project that's exciting without owning without having to own it and be responsible for it. Um, and I've been doing I've been doing that l- lately, kind of as an experiment to see what's it like for me to hang out in other people's projects for a while, lend a hand where I can and see their success and their growth and you just learn so much just by showing up in environments that are not your normal environment you just learn an insane amount and that's that's hugely valuable
2: totally I love the job shadow I love to do it (laughs) yeah Yeah, we actually we just shadowed the beekeeper like we were telling you about earlier and that was definitely outside the comfort zone well I didn't want to get stung but (laughs) but it was really cool to be like that's your daily
1: yeah. yeah um no, I do that whenever I'm thinking about like, Oh, what other skills do I have that I'm not using? Like, then I like to ask friends who have different, can I like tag along with you to work for a day and like help you out? Like see what it's like to work and you know, cause sometimes you'll find that you'll have, you'll find, you'll discover s- skills you didn't know you had either or like applications of skills mm-hmm. that you have.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, like you that? think, uh, so you're on this, would you say more or less you're, you're living the dream at the moment of like what you would like to happen? It's
0: so, it's so funny. Um, I don't think it's so f- I, This none of this is, is what I dreamed or what I imagined. You know, right. I, I think I wake up every day kind of surprised and excited that, that, you know, 10 years ago, there's, there's no way, no way. 10 years ago, I, I would have thought that I would be here working on electronic music, living in a house with eight people in San Francisco running, A business that works in Southeast Asia. So what's funny is I think we, we, we talk a lot in life about setting intentions Uh and having an intention. And I, and I even talk about that, but I had no intention for this really. Um, it was kind of, kind of giving myself to giving myself a little bit more to the chaos of life and, and seeing where it took me and applying a little bit of energy here, a little bit of energy there, a little bit of energy here, and, and certainly paying dues when necessary. Um, Yes. I mean, if your question is, is there a lot of flow right now? Yeah, totally.
2: Well, I think well, measuring your dream by being, are you asking, are you in a place where you can ask all those questions? Right? Yeah. yeah. And
0: can I be prepared for tomorrow to be totally different? And yeah. 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 I think, I think it's, but, I think yeah. it's a fun exercise to set a course and then see where you end up. Yeah. Like you're not going to get to where, you're likely not going to get to where you thought you were going to go by the means you thought you were going to get there. Yeah. But you'll get somewhere. Yeah. And, it's probably a good idea to enjoy yourself while you're
1: yeah while you're it, on your way. It'll never look exactly as you pictured it and and if you force it like you probably will you could probably get it, but you might hate it once you <laughs> get there, you'll probably hate it once you get there.
2: do you think there were any sacrifices that you made towards this journey uh or mm-hmm. consequences that you had to like resolve or deal with in terms of like making sure um You are staying true to your values and on this journey of questioning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think certainly, um, I mean, different business relationships that didn't, didn't pan out, um, or were really valuable in teaching me the way that I didn't want to do things. Mm Um, you know, I'm the kind of person that I think I just, I orient as much as possible to experiences being valuable and I try not to label them good or bad, good or bad, but as long as I'm taking something away from them where I feel like, cool i've i'm i'm have grown i have learned something um and that can sound like such a platitude sometimes that like life is about growth and life is about learning but but really that is my orientation my my orientation particularly you know with my business and with my music none of it is stagnant it is always changing um but to your to your point yes certainly relationships have come and gone business models have come and gone um and part of it is uh, adaptability and part of it is i think the practice of letting go of things that are no longer in service to your life's joy, um, and that is always sometimes hard, but always valuable.
2: So I guess maybe you let go of a little bit of stability. Not that we ever really have yeah. that stability, no, but stability. but more so than yeah. maybe someone who wasn't always asking all those questions. Sure. Um, and yeah, a bit, and and some conflict as sure. well. Yeah, I mean, um, if you
0: want to talk about sacrifice, I, mean, I the identity, yeah. right? Like the identity. Yeah. Five years ago, five years ago, Luke's identity was like very staunchly politically radical, anti-racist, very pro-queer, anti-straight, and and these days it's not. I'm less combative. You know, it's not that I have been. You're not the
2: KKK now. Yeah, (laughs) it's not that
0: I have been subsumed into the mainstream or that I've lost my political bearing. But I'm putting, I'm pumping less energy into fight, into into daily battle, and certainly there are parts of systems, political and economic systems that I think need to be changed and need to be resisted for survival purposes. Uh Um, But my identity is not fundamentally caught up in battle anymore. And that needed to be sacrificed.
2: That's really Ah. fascinating.
1: Yeah. That's like a lot of self-reflection. That's a common theme.
2: I think among our life innovators, there's so much self-reflection. Maybe yeah, to like, to get face to... yourself some of those uncomfortable ideas, because then you have to start. Because I think it's really easy to be like, "Oh, if I'm not fighting all those things, does that mean I'm like all of a sudden it's selling out?" Yeah. Am I like yeah. this
0: is the central fear for a, right. like for a political radical? I think the central fear, particularly a white cisgendered male of privilege, the the central fear is that anything you do will be selling out. And that's such, it's such a false dichotomy that will hamstring your decisions. There is not a thing that you will sell Thank out. Thank you
2: into. <laughs> <laughs> saying that. Yeah. And it's the yeah, conversation it's I have.
0: Yeah, I mean, and there's, there needs to be some, I think particularly for people of privilege, there has to be some awareness of the level of access that we will always have to go and rejoin the economic order of the day. Would we want to, but we would never be happy. At a certain point, you realize when you're living in integrity with your life, you realize that there are certain things that are just off the table for you if, if you intend to be joyful, happy and fulfilled. And a lot of that is in the mainstream.
2: I think yeah. about that a lot. Cause yeah, it's sometimes like you definitely want to make that change. You want to make a difference. But if you're not living a life that is fulfilling and positive and joyful, you're, you're adding to a culture that isn't promoting that and so like we work so hard say you are really successful like getting to the point where equality completely exists among everyone but like everyone is miserable like (laughs) or like you've been leading with this example of combativeness and like con like being condescending towards other people and like judging people for like what they believe and putting this like otherism to everything like is that really making the world more positive yeah. And, and at, how the, same, can you do at both. the same time,
0: yeah. at the same time, I think there's, those are important roles for us to play. You know, yeah. you, it, it's not that one ends, ends the struggle and then judges other people for fighting, right? Yeah. It's important for people who are fighting to be fighting if that's what's important that's what's for them. That's what's important. Yeah. Like on a spiritual level, I think, you know, so I don't, there's no judgment about the different roles and the different phases of your life about where you are. You know, you can only trust, you can trust the flow or you can trust God or you can trust whatever you want to call it to be moving moving your life in a direction that it's supposed to be moving. And there are different phases. You'll just live in different phases. You know, in 10, 15 years, I'm, I'm certain I will
2: be feel and experience
0: yeah. things that are differently. Likely, I won't be voting Republican, but you can't, you, can't necessarily, you can't necessarily predict what those changes will be. But I think that it's more, it's more that there is a deepening rather than a linear process for life. Going in. Yeah, going in and, and going up. in and deep rather than over yeah. and forward and up.
2: Yeah. Right. Well, I think I guess what I was just trying to say though, like the everyday and not that the other things aren't important. Um and maybe for some people they're every day they're move uh, they're working on whatever movement, you know, that's that's what they do every day. Um but I've just been fascinated by this idea of like, you know, we get so like, oh I can't do anything, I can't do any change. But like we interact with so many people every day and Every single time you interact with someone, you have potential influence of how you interact with them and whether that person's going to have a better day or not, like, or that you have yeah. the chance to yeah. help somebody constantly. Yeah. Like, we're always faced with those opportunities. And it, I think, like you said, it takes being present.
1: Yeah. Well, right. and also, yeah, and being like what you were saying, it's, it's more important to, to like, be true, like, live to your true ideal than to... Than to push it because when you do that then you actually impact people like sure when they when they come into contact with you yeah, yeah. Oh. that's right awesome. Any thing you want to add, Olivia in terms of takeaways uh no, I think I'm good okay for now <laughs>
2: alright <laughs> I'm gonna marinate <laughs> okay we'll we'll do the takeaways later
1: um awesome so how can people find you if they want to find your music if they want to Find uh, find your sure services.
0: Yeah, well, Spark Prep has a website, sparkprep.com. Um, and DJ Lisan has a SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash dj dash Lisan. Um,
2: how do you spell that?
0: L i s a n.
2: Lisan. Yeah, it Lisan. will be on our website. Yeah, yes, we'll definitely have the links there. So if you want to hear um some of Luke's music, you actually, who are some of your influences? Just uh, you said you have some favorite. Oh, Keep I mean, yeah, I mean, I
0: mean, I, I, I definitely worship at the altar of Tom York and all things Radiohead.
2: Uh, <laughs>
0: uh, there's, you know, excellent from, from an electronic music perspective. Everything coming off the Mad that decent label is obviously excellent. Um, Diplo is pretty prolific. Um, but I also, you know, I wake up in the morning and I put on Chopin. I put on Chopin. Yeah,
2: classical. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Chopin nocturnes and preludes. It's my jam.
2: So what do
1: I listen to when I'm on the train and I read? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you can actually listen to music you can, and yeah. really read, and it's better than the people yelling. Yeah. <laughs> I like listening to Chopin when it's snowing. About know, the snow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chopin in any way, like Chopin. <laughs> where all do over. you Where do you Chopin?
2: <laughs> so that was Luke Taylor. Yes. I, uh one of the things that we're doing now is we listen to the episode a little bit later and we reflect upon it. And for me, this was definitely a much needed episode personally. And I realized in my own personal life, I wasn't doing some things that I talked about in the episode that I know what works for me and what's would work for other people. And so it was a good reminder. And the type of things I'm talking about is one of one that stood out to me in terms of momentum is removing things from your life versus adding them and how maybe when you remove them, that's your natural state.
1: Yeah. Like it gives you more clarity versus like feeling like you need to have all this stuff. It's like...
2: Right. And the process to do that, it's always something that I feel like I generally have a core about. Like I want everything to be integrated and aligned. And I was in this state where I was very much isolating different parts of my life. And that was not a good strategy for me. That's not how it works. And I was disrupting my momentum because everything was like compartmentalized. Anyway, so that was that was my reflection. <laughs> and I was like, I am not creating momentum because it's there's no flow.
1: I had a lot of reflections, which is funny because thinking back to this episode, I just like I knew that he was very insightful and we had a good conversation. But Like, you know, sometimes I think back at conversations, and am like, oh, can't wait to re listen to them. I didn't realize how much like how many like aha moments I was gonna have like re listening to this. <laughs> Similarly to you, mine was that like. So I took a lot of time off. I quit my old, left my old career and kind of like transitioned and doing some other stuff, but kind of took a long time off verse, like while, while working on this. And one thing he, he talks about was, um, like, well, two things really struck, stuck with me was like, one was that he doesn't take, like he, since he works seasonally, he takes, he tries not to treat it like it's a break, but like how do you maximize your normal when you're not in that? And I didn't do that well. Mm -hmm. So I kind of got stuck like a little bit. Like I think I got mentally stuck a bit. Um, And it took me a while to be like, oh wait, like I took this time off to do all these other things. But what was, I was starting to become like anxious about what it was like, what it would be like to like go out and start over versus like, that's what I wanted. What I wanted was time to like explore all these things, and those things would would um, inform what I wanted to do.
2: right but This is when you took some time off. yeah, okay, yeah. Context, Sorry, yeah yeah, yeah. so okay.
1: when I took that time off, I was like, oh, stuff and I didn't do that. and so and the other thing you talked about was detaching the idea of who you are from what you do. I didn't do that. I like mm. I was so attached to my career as like a clothing designer. It doesn't mean I'll never do that again, but like I think I'm done with it for right now. And I, I just knew that for a while I needed time away from that, because um, it was no longer creatively fulfilling for me. And so then I started to like think about like f- fearing like the label of like what would I be next? And that's like
2: such an interesting insight in terms of me reflecting on the conversations we've had. And that's a good <laughs> way of putting it. It's true. Yeah, because like, how to detach yourself from your work in a sense of identifying with it or anything we identifying yeah. with whatever we have around with us. Cause that's, that's just the ego trying to
1: Yeah. It either, to whatever. Yeah. It either feeds your soul or it feeds your ego. Yeah. It's like, it's and something it was, you
2: do versus something you are.
1: Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> and it's okay that like, yeah, he was talking about, he's like, never saw himself as a businessman. And it's like, he does business. Yeah. So it's like, and just like letting go of the idea that like, he's not this, like we're, this adult that does this thing was like very freeing and like let him do this other stuff Um, so I actually like yeah I learned a lot about where I was kind of messing up in the last few months which is really actually it's nice it's nice to like check yourself because it's like I don't know. You're like learning and we're like trying to share these learnings with everyone. And sometimes we're like, Oh shit. I'm fucking up right now. (laughs) Um, well, it's aside from this podcast, I'm fucking up really now.
2: It's good because when you see there's a bridge or a light, you know, it's versus like, I've been doing everything perfect and it's you're not where you want to be or whatever this attachment is of what you want to be. And so maybe it's even is switching your perspective. I don't know. I, I find it humbling. It is nice also be humbled in this. Yeah. That like, there's so much more to learn. Yeah. And there's also just different perspectives and growth is in itself is very lightning. Well, mean, so yeah.
1: Yeah. You get, you know, even your body, like when you grow, you get stretch marks, the taller, like oh, man. it happens. It happens, but like that, like an another critical thing though, he pointed out was that like we talked about, you can't go from zero to a hundred and it's just like incremental gains, mm-hmm. like. Like if you're starting from a place where you're kind of like, like he was saying, like rock bottom is kind of an opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And not that it's necessarily you have to start from rock bottom, but if you feel like you haven't had momentum, if you've been like really sludging through and just like ask yourself, you know, like ask yourself, are you asking the right questions? And then if you like want to lose so, like, it's so funny actually thinking about this in terms of the gym because everybody talks about their gains or whatever. But like, going to the gym and like, you know, let's say you have a goal of like running a race or something. Like, you're running, you want to run a 10k, right? And you go. There's actually an out a an app called Couch to 5k, and I think you can go like longer on that. But they start you with like, oh, okay, so like your first day, like run half a mile. And then the next day you do like, there's actually like a course, like it maps it out over how much time you have before this thing. And then it maps out your week. So it's like, you'll start with like a half mile and then you'll do like a day of weightlifting and then you'll take a day off. And then the next time you run, you run three quarters of a mile. And then like, it literally works you from your couch to the race. Right. So like as minimal, like so that you're not overwhelmed. It just tells you those kinds of things. So yes. like those are kinds of like, and if for you, it's not a race, it's like you want to lose 20 pounds. Don't start with thinking about how awful it's going to be to lose 20 pounds or how you're going to do it one day. Start starving yourself. Like you just have to go to the gym. Spend, if, if you're too tired after 20 minutes, fine. Like 20 minutes. And the next time you go, you say, I want to do 25. Like.
2: Well, right. And the body is such a great way to stabilize the mind which can just go in so many different directions. And I think to see it, you know, when you actually physically see the momentum building and you can literally not get anxiety or emotionally attached to it. It's literally like, oh, my body feels this way. yeah. And I let go and you can literally see when your body, when you're building that momentum, those times when you're like, can I do more? Can I do less? But yeah, that's a great way to actually see momentum in action and, have your mind observe your body be like oh momentum works (laughs) yeah but it works that way
1: with tasks too yeah yeah. you don't start with like the end goal you just say like what little things can I do right like what are doable what is doable I really like that is
2: that your question you didn't know was relevant
1: um sure what goals do you have that you feel kind of like be honest with yourself what kind of goals do you have that are intimidating you Mm -hmm. and then maybe start from Write it down. Let just you know what that is. And then map out like, okay, what would it look like? What would halfway there look like?
2: Right. What right. would a
1: quarter of the way there look like? Right. And then what would like... And so then it start, as that starts getting smaller and smaller, then you have like these really actionable things. Exactly. Or even if that feels too overwhelming, like why you don't like you can have a list of a couple things you do that's like maybe one of them is just researching it a little bit online. And like creating a document on a Google Doc that's like your research on it.
2: I like the water pump metaphor. If you try to, okay, back in the day when you just actually pump water to get water from your faucet, you literally would have to physically really put lots of energy into it. You would pull the lever and it would pump, like you'd have to do these really big pumps until you would get enough momentum until the water would start to flow on its own. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is daunting when you are at the beginning. You are starting at zero you do have to put a bit more force into it you know you have to show up at the gym when you never show up at the gym you know you have and it's gonna feel unnatural it's gonna feel like why am i doing this i hate this and it's gonna feel not fun honestly unless i mean you can get a mindset the mindset would be like it's gonna be for my own good because once you start getting there you're gonna have a good time you know well,
1: and also like that maybe what is that one <laughs> um it's not your to-do list it's your get to-do list yes get to-do list but like but also like not everything fucking needs to be fun which is like the silliest thing coming from me <laughs> which I know that you're laughing because I need everything to be fun all the time I need stimulation all the time but um but like that if you accept that it sometimes helps you to get through it and also <laughs> if you are in a rot, the other thing that um Luke does is he like does stuff that gives him inspiration. So like you said, like if he hasn't made music in a while and he feels uninspired, like he starts listening to other musicians, tries to see what they're doing. Actually, Adam Vita also said that that's what he's doing. He'll like try listening to other rappers, see what they, what other ways they do stuff. Like basically just like, don't shit on yourself for like not being inspired. Just look at other people who are doing stuff and just like be okay with the fact that like they're doing something different and that you might try it that way and it'll spark something in you.
2: Um and we can always turn it around now. Yeah. Being in the moment. Really at the end of the day, all his of the stuff is all comes about, down to being moment Oh my god, the momentum. word
1: moment and momentum blew my mind. That was
2: actually if we pull the lens back even more, we're getting a bit more like, oh, this specific thing in me personally. I feel like that's the one thing I really wasn't being in the moment. Yeah. And that's what I need to get back to. Being in the moment, not worrying about what if I do this and all the consequences. Well, that's literally
1: everything that was like we said was like a problem we were having. It's like was a was a symptom of not being in the moment like attaching yourself to the idea of who you are that's not being in the moment like
2: removing like for me the whole removing removing barriers creating momentum and i was putting barriers up because i was responding to fear
1: yeah so then that was not being in the moment i
2: was in it but that wasn't being in the moment that was like
1: preparing yourself for future moments of of difficulty yes um so yeah and yeah so, yeah. So, all right.
2: We've had <laughs> a lot of self-reflection. Despite that, we've been putting the freaking podcast out. So, that's like... We've been... Yeah. <laughs> we made it sound like... We just were going through some... No, no. I think... So,
1: yeah. <laughs> doing the podcast, like, this is like... This is a, a work of love. And it still happens so every week. Love. Um But, like, we also have, uh, like, all these other things in our lives, like, as everyone else does. And so
2: we're trying to make it work too. We want to bring this out. We want to, we're
1: figuring, Yeah, we're also figuring this out as we're doing, like we're kind of, I don't want to say building the plane as we're flying it, but like, like our intention for starting this came from a very real place. And like, that also meant that we started from a place of not knowing what this, how it would work or what it would be. Mm -hmm. And like, while we're trying to figure out our ideal lives and that's kind of what this part, this, Essentially, what this podcast is is like: how do we figure out how to integrate? Like, we're also learning, and I actually think that like it's I like like being able to be honest and vulnerable about that. But like, the podcast is the is the constant, <laughs> and you know, and lives your life lives get chaotic, like they just do, and it's okay. Yeah, like, chaotic, chaotic. They get chaotic, <laughs> so. Anyway, um, I lost my voice because I was screaming at Kendrick Lamar last night. Um, it was amazing. But um, not last night. Two nights ago. Um, but anyway, so getting back to it, our question you didn't know was relevant. Like, let us know your feelings on like thinking about things you've been avoiding because they seem too big. And um, how do you, you know? How think about you? them and break down how you can get back to that? Um, and tweet but- us. Tweet right. us, let us know, email us, text us. I feel like people, people text me all the time and I'm like, I don't know if I'm allowed to use this. Um, but.
2: At Chill Ambitious. At Chill
1: Ambitious. And our website is chillandambitious.com.
2: Correct. Uh, Wook, if you want to find his stuff, uh, is at sparkprep.com. And you can also find that out on, um. On our, our website. On our website.
1: Uh, which is chillandambitious.com. So. Thank you for bar- for listening.
2: Bye. I'm O. I'm No. And we love you. Bye. Bye. Like a sound you hear that lingers in your ear, but you can't forget from sundown to sunset now.